We're going through our sermon series, uh, Christmas series, A Real Story of Christmas. And last week we talked about a lot of these uh, Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah and that were fulfilled in Jesus. And I hope you were encouraged last week to see, yeah, this, this um, Christmas story is, is not just an isolated event. It was prophesied many, many years, hundreds of years before Jesus was even born. If you'd like to still pick up uh, a sheet of prophecies fulfilled, uh, there's a sheet right out there on the welcome table, and uh, we have some extras from last week for those of you who are still interested in learning about those many prophecies. Do you remember how many prophecies were fulfilled in Jesus? Over 300 prophecies. Very good, Sonny. <laughs> Pastor Sonny gets an A. I told him to say that. Yes. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this morning, God, that we're here, we're able to listen to your word. We ask that your, our hearts would be ready, there'd be fertile soil for your word to fall upon and grow, and it would multiply and turn into good fruit a hundred times fold. We thank you, Lord, that you can do this within us. We give you permission to do this within us today, Holy Spirit. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you have a Bible, you can open up to the book of Matthew. Uh, we're going to start there this morning in uh, maybe a little bit of an unusual place when we talk about the Christmas story. Uh, we're going to be talking, going through a little bit of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. So you start to the very first gospel, Matthew chapter 1. Um, I'm going to go ahead and read a few verses. A record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. We're going to skip down to verse 5 and 6. Salmon, nice name, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of King David. There it is. There's a theme going on. We go down to verse 16 and 17. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. We start getting into the Christmas story of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. So you see the genealogy here, starting with the son of David, genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. That's going to be Matthew's main point here. He's the son of David. He's the son of Abraham. Then he finally gets all the way down to Joseph, the husband of Mary. And a lot of times Joseph, for whatever reason, doesn't get a lot of press. He doesn't get a lot of attention uh, when we talk about the Christmas story. Uh, we like to concentrate on Mary. But a lot of times uh, when it comes to Joseph, we're thinking, Okay, he's, he's just a very small part of the story. Uh, maybe let's concentrate on the more important people or, or things. But Matthew is talking about from the genealogy how important of a person Jesus, Joseph, is. And what does the genealogy prove? The genealogy proved Jesus is in the line of Abraham. It also proved that Jesus is in the line of King David, just like Matthew says from the very first sentence. 
And last week we talked all about that, didn't we? We talked about Jesus and the messianic prophecies that were fulfilled in his life. Jesus would be born in the line of King David or the son of David. That was a fulfillment of prophecy. So 2 Samuel 7 says that David's seed, or seed is another word for descendants, his lineage, his seed would be set up as a king and established forever and would be God's son. So King David's seed, his lineage, his descendant, who was Jesus, would be God's son. And so we already know Joseph is not Jesus' biological dad, right? We know that. But it didn't mean that Jesus was excluded from this royal kingship. This royal lineage found in Joseph's family tree. So it was through Joseph, through King David, that all of these prophecies, you can say, yes, the seed of King David is the Messiah who is Jesus. So Joseph was Jesus' father according to everything in the Jewish law. He wasn't his biological father, but according to everything in the Jewish law, Joseph was considered Jesus's dad. And because Joseph was in the line of David, Jesus was made the rightful heir of all these kingship messianic prophecies. So we start there before we go into the more well-known Christmas story. A lot of times we pass over these genealogies. Oh, well, <laughs> let's go to the good stuff. Like, let's hurry up and get to the Christmas story. But we're seeing, wow, isn't this genealogy actually proof? Doesn't it help us to see the Messiah is here? And that's what Christmas is all about. The Messiah, the seed of King David, has finally come. So let's go ahead, turn there now. We can go to Matthew chapter 18. And we can see a few really cool, important lessons for us to learn in the life of Joseph and Mary, this awesome couple. Let's go ahead and read verse 18 in Matthew chapter 1. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. So Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but he found out that she was pregnant. Right? He didn't know how she got pregnant. He just knew, I'm pledged to be married to this girl. Right? And all of a sudden, she's pregnant. Uh-oh. And, you know, they didn't have, like, the tight-fitting clothes and all that. So she's pregnant, right? He, Whoa! My girl's pregnant. And it wasn't me. Uh-oh. So Joseph, I, I mean, what an eye-opener. And for those of you who are um, dads, for those of you who have gone through that experience, your first child, when your uh, wife tells you that she's pregnant, I don't know if you remember, but I sure do. <laughs> the first time, I mean, we had been... Uh, we were up in England, we had no money, we're students, and living in a foreign land, and come back from class one day, and Vanessa, she's there just like out of the movies, she has the pregnancy thing, 
the test and she says, honey, sit down. What? And she tells me and I'm like floating on air. I can't even feel my feet. They're like numb. And she tells me the news and I just am freaking out and I'm trying to balance it with, oh, yes, I'm so excited, honey. Yes, with, I can't, I can't register this. This is like too much information. I, I don't know what to do. My whole life is changing in a very instant. I'm not ready to be a dad. I'm freaking out, right? Uh, I can't even take care of myself and my wife. How am I going to take care of a little baby? All this and trying to be like, oh, honey, I'm so happy. So maybe you've experienced some of those same feelings for those of you dads who freaked out. This is like Joseph, right? His freak out. Matthew chapter 19. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her with a big mess, have her, according to the law of Moses, adultery maybe. No, he says, divorce her quietly. Because he was faithful to the law. She wasn't, they weren't even married. Mary was pregnant. Uh-oh, what's going to happen? A huge mess, right? No, because Joseph was faithful to the law. What does that mean? Joseph was a man of God. That's awesome, isn't it? Joseph is like faithful to the word of God. I love that, thinking about what kind of man was Joseph. He was a good man. Not just a good guy. He, was, he loved the Lord. He loved God. He loved God's word. He was in God's word. And because of those things, he didn't want to disgrace her. He took the high road. He wasn't going to be with her, but he wasn't going to throw her under the bus. He was going to divorce her quietly. So he, he made up his mind. That was his plan until verse 20. But after he had considered this, he's going to stick to his plan. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Huh? She will give birth to a son. You're to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill, there's that word again, the fulfillment of prophecy, what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And last week we went over, that was a prophecy fulfilled from the prophet Isaiah. 700 years before Jesus was even born. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and we'll call him Emmanuel. Let's go to verse 24 in Matthew 1. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. Wow. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. Now, that's the story of Joseph. Awesome man of God. Man who's faithful to obey what the Lord had done. A man who was already a faithful man of the word. Let's go to Mary, the story of Mary. You can turn your Bible to Luke chapter 1, if you have a Bible with you. 
Uh, Luke chapter 1, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and read verses 26 through 38. So Luke chapter 1, 26 through 38. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. And you will be with child and give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Great question, verse 34. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I love her response. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. Wow, isn't it? Impressive to see her response, to see Joseph's response. So awesome. This couple just knows how to hear from the Lord and obey what the Lord is saying. And their responses, their lives, actually the whole Christmas story with Mary and Joseph teaches some valuable lessons. Number one, you can write it in your notes if you have your notes and a pen. And I just encourage you guys to take notes because pastors love it when people take notes. It makes them feel like what they are saying that is actually going in there somewhere, and being remembered. (laughs) Um, Number one, our Heavenly Father promises to bless and use His children to change the world. God uses His children. It's awesome. I'm a dad. I want to see my children be used to change the world. We want our children's lives to count and matter for something And that's how God works. He promises that. So Joseph, what was his trade? Does anyone know? You want to yell it out? Carpenter, yeah. He he was uh, most likely a carpenter. They say a builder of some sort. Probably a carpenter. So the word there is the word for builder. And so he he possibly even a stone cutter, but most likely a carpenter. It's a... It's an awesome livelihood, working with your hands, just like getting down and working hard. But he was just a normal dude, basically, right? Normal carpenter. And Mary, how old was Mary? Does anyone know? 16? There's no right answer. It's a trick question. (laughs) We don't know. We just know that she was young. She was most likely a teenager. And in those days, uh, Mary, she, she, the, the children could have been 
married even as early as age 12, given birth. And so we don't know. She could be 18. But she was most likely very young and very likely a teen. Okay, so this is, Mary's just a teenager. He's just a simple carpenter. It's a normal dude, normal couple. And look at what God had done in them and through them. Isn't that awesome? Especially for you guys who are young. Is there any, are there any teenagers here? Any? Okay, you got some, still a few. All right, you got college. Raise your hand. She could have been in college age. Anyway, any college age here? A few of you guys. All right, Bill. No, you're too old. <laughs> you can still go to college. Sorry, my bad. God used them to change the world. Matthew thirteen fifty five says, "Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't this? Isn't his mother named Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas?" So we do know. He was a builder. He was a carpenter. His dad, Joseph. And God used this awesome guy, Joe, not Joe the plumber, but this is Joe the carpenter. And he was a normal guy, but at the same time, he was this picked, handpicked by God, so special. Why was he special? He was an heir of Abraham, wasn't he? It said there in the lineage that we read in the genealogy. He was an heir of Father Abraham. Does that count for something? Yes, it does. That's awesome, right? Not only was he an heir of Abraham, he was an heir of King David in the priestly line. So in the kingly line, sorry. He was an heir of King David. Wow, an heir of Abraham, an heir of King David. He was chosen to be the earthly dad of the promised Messiah. Wow, what an honor. What an honor. What a calling. And that's cool. That's amazing. But the cool, cooler thing is that you are a child of Abraham. You are a child of the King David. You are in that same lineage, that same royal family. Isn't that amazing? Galatians 3.29 says this, If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. Amen. If you belong to Christ, then you, not somebody else, you are Abraham's seed and an heir according to the promise. You're an heir. That's awesome. To belong to Christ means that you're in God's family. You have been adopted, crafted into God's family. To belong to Christ means that you are his child and being a child of God means that you get all the awesome privileges of being in the family. Isn't that cool? I love that. Romans eight fourteen says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. We shouldn't live in fear. Whoa, what's going to happen to me? Is God going to take care of me? Are my kids going to be okay? What's the future going to hold? Oh, no. Am I okay with God? No. Rather, the spirit you received, the spirit you received, brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Abba is like the awesome term. They still say it. There's like a little kid I heard running on a Jewish, uh, in the shores of uh, a Sea of Galilee, comes up to his daddy Abba, Abba, Abba. 
Like, pick me up. Abba, daddy. It's a term for daddy. Dad. It's the closest term we have is daddy. By him we cry, dad, daddy, father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. You are a loved child of God. For those of us in Christ... Now, if we are his children, then we are heirs, it goes on to say. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Heirs of God the Father and co-heirs with Christ. If we are children of God, we're heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. And that means God entrusts us with some things. No, God entrusts us with all things. Isn't that awesome? I'm going to play a video now. This is going to show us our access we have being children of God. Let's watch. It's through Jesus the Son that we have access to God the Father. A young soldier fighting for the Union Army in the American Civil War lost both his father and his brother in the fighting. He needed to return to his family's home and help his sister and elderly mother with spring planting on their farm. And so he went to Washington, D.C. to ask the president for exemption from military service. When he arrived in Washington, he walked straight up to the doors of the White House and asked to speak directly with the president. A young official standing guard told him, You can't see the president. The president's far too busy to see you. Get back out there and fight like you're supposed to. So the young soldier left the White House, not knowing how he would break the bad news to his family. As he was sitting on a nearby park bench, a young boy came up to him and said, Why are you so unhappy? What's wrong? The soldier looked at the boy and began to pour out his heart. He told the child that since his father and brother had been killed, he was the only man left in his family. He was desperately needed back at the farm, and the only person who could make it possible was the president himself. The little boy said simply, Come with me. Taking him by the hand, the boy led the soldier back around to the White House. They walked through that door, past the guards, past the generals, past the high-ranking government officials, until they got to the president's office. The little boy didn't even knock on the door. He just opened it and walked in. There, standing behind the desk, studying battle hands with the Secretary of State, was President Abraham Lincoln. The president looked up and said, Oh, what can I do for you, Tad? The little boy replied, Dad, this man needs to talk to you. Our father. He's inviting us to share in the relationship he has with the father. It's through Jesus the Son. So we see the access that we have as children of God. We can walk straight into his office. We don't need to say, okay, uh, I'll show you all these security clearances, and I am this person, that God, I'm performing up to your standards today. I hope that you, I'm good enough for you now. No, we have access because we're his children. And like our own children, we want to just invite them in and say, everything that I have, all the access and privilege I have, the blessings I want to pass on to you. There's no barrier. So commit in your life everything that you do, everything that you are, everything that you think, your dreams, your work, your life, your relationships, your play, and you ask him to use it. Commit all of it to him. And say, God, I want you to take all of this stuff and use it for your glory. I want you, I want you to use it to change the world through me. Amen.
Because of your relationship with Jesus and your heavenly Father, everything that you are going to need to accomplish the mission, to change the world, is in you. God is going to give it to you. And he's going to say, you know what? Just ask and you'll receive. Ask God to change, use you to change the world. Change the world through you. God has put you in a specific place in this world. The Bible says in the book of Acts, he handpicked you to be born in this certain time and place. He's put you in a certain place to live. He's put you in a certain job. Why? Not just so we can earn a living, so that we can change the world around it. Amen? That's number one. We can learn that. We see that access granted as children of God through Mary and Joseph. Number two, another lesson we learn is, number two, believe all things are possible. Believe all things are possible, not because we're so cool, we're so able, we're so good at our jobs, or whatever we're going to do. All things are possible with God. And you might be saying, the mission that God has given me seems overwhelming, so I'm just going to push that aside. It seems too hard. I can't do it. Do you see the papers? Do you read the news? Do you see all these things on TV? How Christians are being pushed to one corner of society in our culture? How am I supposed to live out my faith as a Christian in the world? Don't you know how uncomfortable that would be, Pastor Max? It's like you're another an alien or somebody from another planet when you talk about your belief in Jesus Christ, that he saved you. The true meaning of Christmas, and we're being ostracized like aliens. Those are alien beliefs in this world nowadays, aren't they? But we're not talking about the tension of living in today's culture so much more than we're talking about what it's like to believe God can do the impossible in us. Because we already know it's hard to be a Christian in this world. And I think that's a good thing. It means that we're rubbing up against some sort of things. If we think everything's all fine and dandy, a lot of times maybe we're just not being out there and bold enough. Oh, nobody even knows I'm a Christian. That's the way I like it. <laughs> well, God doesn't want you to live that way. He wants to kind of rub up against some things in our culture. And it's okay to feel like an alien. But we're talking about having the faith to believe that God can do the impossible in us despite this culture that we live in. So what are you living by faith for right now? What are you believing for today? It can't be something that's small that you can already do where you can say, okay, in six months I want to accomplish this. And... If I do X, Y, and Z, then it's going to be accomplished. No problem. No, it's got to be much bigger than this. It's going to be like, oh, I'm going to need to, I mean, work on this 365 days, you know, a year, seven days a week, 24 hours a day, every second of the day. I'm going to have to do this. And then still I wouldn't be able to accomplish it. It's got to be a dream much bigger than what God than what we think we can do. It's got to be God's dreams, God's vision. This church is so smart. This church is so capable at doing good things. 
and accomplishing things, it's, we have really amazing people in this church. So think about the God-sized things he wants to do on top of what we're already capable of doing. Okay? It's got to like exceed way further than what we can already do. Because God's things that he calls us to do are things that we cannot do. Is that Rachel back there? Rachel, raise your hand. Is that you? Yeah, it is. Good, I'm glad it's not an imposter raising her hand. <laughs> Rachel, she, I'm driving in Alaska, and she's singing these songs. She knows every word to every song. I'm not joking. You could bring her a song. She will know the words to the song. And I'm driving for hours now, like four hours. Oh, yeah, this is great. She has a great voice. I love her voice, yeah? But after four hours, <laughs> Hamilton, every word in Hamilton. We got all these different musicals, Disney. I know all the Disney songs because I have kids too. And I'm like, oh, man. And I'm just trying to encourage her. What do you want to do with this voice? My dream is to sing in musicals. And she can do it. So a lot of things the devil will say, no, you can't do it. You're not good enough, Rachel. Ah, you've got to go do this. How are you going to earn a living? But wow, what a God-sized dream if she could be on that stage and do it. Wouldn't that be amazing? Bring glory to God through that? She would give credit to God, talk to her people because that's definitely not a godly environment that she would be able to talk to them about Jesus. So let's pray for Rachel and just believe that Rachel would be there one day. Amen? She wouldn't say, oh, I can't do it. Yeah, let's just believe it. It's going to happen. So that's just one example. And all of us have that story, that God-sized dream, that vision. What is your dream? What is your vision that God has given you? And as a church, I'm believing for a lot of things. I'm believing that God is going to bring revival to McKinley High School. We have about 50-something kids now that meet on the McKinley Christian Club on Wednesdays. There is a long way to go. There's thousands of kids. And I want to see a revival happen where hundreds of kids can come to know Jesus. Kids would tell, tell their friends about Jesus. Wouldn't that be awesome? I'm believing that can happen in Jesus. I'm believing that they would want to reach out to their friends, serve God. I'm believing that people in our church, they would invite so many people to Christmas service. Wouldn't that be awesome to see at least 400 people there? We had 200-something last year at the Christmas service. Wouldn't it be cool to see almost double? The place holds 1,000 people. Oh, it's kind of hard, you know? Christmas Eve. Hey, we made it a little earlier. <laughs> But it's going to take a God-sized dream and vision to do it. 400 people. That would be awesome. That would be God, wouldn't it? I'm believing God can do that. I'm believing that our church would move into a new home, church home. Pastor Mark talked about this. Where is it going to be? We don't know. What's it going to be like? Where are we going to get the funds? I don't know. But God has said to do it. We're believing that he's going to do it. Amen. He's going to do it. We're believing for that, right? I'm believing that I personally am going to help disciple three people this year. That I'm going to take them under my wing, not under my wing so much as walking with them as I'm following Jesus. And I'm going to say, follow me as I follow Jesus. And I want to help 
Those guys grow in their faith, and I'm going to grow in my faith as I help them. That's just how it works. Go and make disciples, right, of all nations. I'm looking to do that. That's a God-sized thing for me, okay? I'm looking for the Alpha Course this year to be a little different, changed up in its format so that we can be more effective, reach more people, so that we would be able to think creatively and do it in different kinds of environments. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I'm believing that God is going to do it. Amen? That's as a church. Personally, I'm, I'm believing that all my children are going to have an awesome relationship with Jesus, that they're going to love Jesus, that they're going to love to love to love Jesus. That's my biggest dream. That would be so cool to see that. They, I don't have to be like, guys, do you read your Bibles? Okay, Pastor Dad. No, it's like, put your Bibles down, guys. We got to go. All right, take it with me. I don't ever leave home without it. All right, that's awesome. I'm just believing that they'll love to love Jesus. Amen? I'm believing that they're going to want to serve him and serve others and love to love on others. I'm believing that my wife, Vanessa, will have an awesome husband. (laughs) I'm believing that she'll have a husband humble, a husband that is sweet, thinks of things, not at the last minute, but plans it out so that I can show her that I love her. That's going to take a God-sized dream. Amen? And I'm believing that God can do it in me so that she can be blessed. I'm believing for that. Okay? It's not going to be me. I already tried it 39 years. It doesn't work. It's got to be God. It's got to be God. I'm believing that my kids are going to have an awesome dad that's going to make time for them, that's going to show them that I love them and not just say it, but actually do it. And I need Jesus to do that in me. I'm believing that already that my daughters are going to have an awesome husband. When I pray for them at night, I pray for that. Sometimes they get all embarrassed. Sometimes I go uh, when they're sleeping and I pray for them. And I just pray for their future husbands so that they would love God. They'd get an awesome, godly husband. Same thing for my son. My son will never want to hear that right now. But, you know, I'm praying for that, that he'd have an awesome wife, a godly wife. Amen? God can do it. I can't do it, but I know that God can, and I'm believing that he can. So what are you believing God for right now? What is it? What are those things that only he can do that you have to just trust, fall on your knees and say, God, if you don't do it, it's not going to happen. It seems impossible at times. And didn't Mary and Joseph feel the same way? Mary, Luke chapter 134 says, Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I am a virgin? (laughs) Did it seem impossible? What are you talking about? The angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come on you. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth, Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And she who was called barren, is now in her sixth month, verse 37, for nothing will be impossible with God. 38. 
I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. I think the angel left her. I love that line was put in there. It's kind of like, the angel's like, she got it. (laughs) I'm out. The angel's gone. No need to stick around. You sure you got it? I don't know. This is the big news. She said, no, may your word be fulfilled. I'm the Lord's servant. Got it. He's out. Luke 145 goes on to say, Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promise to her. Blessed are those who believe. Are you somebody who is believing today? That God can do the impossible in your life. That's number two. Number three, final lesson we can learn from Joseph and Mary. Listen to God and do what he says. Simple as that. Listen and do. You know, I'm reminded of uh, the story in 1 Samuel. So Samuel's there. He's learning. He's a young boy, how to be a prophet. And he's asleep. And the Holy Spirit, God, he's talking to him. He calls him Samuel. Samuel, three times. Samuel hears his voice in the night. He thinks it's Eli. What, what, Eli, what? I didn't talk to you. What are you talking about? Finally, Eli's like, dude, that's God. God's calling you. I know I'm not. Or maybe the neighbor down the street. No, that's God, he said. God is speaking to you. And Eli was the one who pointed him to God. God said this, verse 11. God said to Samuel, listen carefully. I'm getting ready to do something in Israel that is going to shake everyone up and get their attention. Isn't that cool? I'm going to do something in Israel that's going to shake everyone up. And that's what God says to us. Listen, I'm going to give you a God-sized thing that's going to, I'm going to use you and you're going to shake everything up. It's going to be awesome. Get ready. Are you ready? John 10, 27, Jesus said this. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. My sheep listen to my voice. They know me. I know them and they follow me. And I was thinking about this, this goat in Port Lock. There, I heard a story about a goat, the Port Lock goat. Okay? In Hoikai, there's a goat out there. And this guy, he was, uh, had this goat. And the goat was blind. And the goat just follows his pet, and he walks around with the goat. He stops to eat people's grass. Portlock gets everybody all upset, probably. And then, hey, hey, whatever the goat's name was. Come on, let's go. Goat. Okay. Keep, where's he going? Where's he going? How does he know where to go? Because he knows his owner's voice. And he follows him. Same thing. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Jesus is the good shepherd, isn't he? And we are his sheep. He speaks to us. It's a natural thing. We just have to learn to listen, make it not such a weird thing. Are your ears ready to hear the voice of God, what he is saying to you? That you would be very, listen very carefully so that when we're in the busyness of life, even in the most crazy times, especially in those times, even at Ala Moana, Christmas shopping, 
Oh, wait, the Lord said, don't go into that store. <laughs> Talking to my wife, I tell her that one. Don't go there. It's too expensive. But he'll speak something to you, and you know the difference between your voice and the voice of Jesus. Amen? Do you know the voice of the shepherd? Because he wants to speak to you. He wants to tell you. Keep it simple when it comes to following Jesus. Know the voice of God. Hear his voice and obey. Listen and obey. Tell your neighbor that. Listen and obey. Listen and obey. If you can do these two things, church, that would be so awesome. Listen and obey. In fact, you can make it a life mission statement. I just bow, Lord. I want to learn to listen and obey. Whatever you say to me, I'm going to do it. That's just what Mary and Joseph did. Matthew one twenty four. as we close. When Joseph woke up, he did. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. He didn't, oh, maybe, uh, I'm not sure what to do. He just did it. He did what the angel of the Lord commanded him. Listen and obey. Luke chapter 2, verse 4 to 6. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. There we go again, back to the genealogy. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And that's where we're going to drop off this week. We're going to stop And next week, Pastor Mark is going to pick it up. Why don't we go ahead and stand as we close. And God is doing something so good in us and through us as a church, in our families. Thank you. Here you go, Pastor Sonny. God is doing something so good. Today, what did we learn? Our heavenly Father. Father promises to bless us. Why? He wants to use us because we're his children. We come from that awesome lineage. We are a descendant of Abraham. We are a descendant of King David. We are in that line. Why? Because in Christ, all the promises given to them, to Joseph, given to us in Christ. God wants to use you as his child. Number two, believe all things are possible. Do you believe God can do the impossible in your life? Whatever is standing in your way today, say, God, that wall is down. That stronghold is broken in Jesus' name. Because you're going to do impossible things in and through me. And then finally, how do we do it? Simple. Just listen. And when God speaks to us, not if, when, because he wants to speak to us continually as his like his sheep and he's our shepherd we hear his voice and we follow him and we just obey it keep it super simple Mary and Joseph did that look at what happened we're blessed amen let's pray Heavenly Father we thank you God for their example we thank you Lord they were just normal people just like us Lord and you did extraordinary things in them, Lord. You did the impossible through them. 
they were just your servants and they just said, okay, that sounds crazy. But because you said it, I'm going to do it. I'm going to believe it. So Lord, whatever is here today, whoever is here today and they say, God, that just, I can hear you speaking to me. And I've heard you call me to do something. Maybe it's something big. Maybe it's something small. If that's you, just raise your hand. Just say, yeah, I hear God's voice. He's asked me to do something. It's something small. Or maybe it's something gigantic and I can't do it. Just show your hand. Just say to the Lord, like, yeah, God, that's, that's me. I feel you. I hear your voice. So, Lord, I pray for these people right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, that you would go ahead and help them, Holy Spirit. Give them the power. Just like you came upon Mary, Lord. You overshadowed her with the power and with the faith. To believe that you can do all things and you want to use them to bless the world around them in the name of Jesus and we thank you Lord that you can do it and Lord for all of us as a church we ask that you would just let the faith level rise God that as a church we would say whoa we're just believing for the impossible to happen look at what God is doing why? he's given us a vision for that we're going to chase after it not knowing how, but we know, God, you can do it. Let the faith level rise in Kakako Christian Fellowship, Lord, so that so many other people can be blessed and come to know the Messiah. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, we all said, Amen. Amen.